Hello, and welcome to the Project Good podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Hilton. Project Good is a social impact podcast interviewing experts and advocates about the pressing problems that we face globally and hearing how they suggest we move forward in the future. The Project Good podcast is brought to you by Project Good Work. The goal of this podcast is to inspire people and organizations to develop a mindset that can move others to positive action regarding the complex social issues facing people on the planet. For July, we're focusing on economy of the future. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Vogel, Associate Professor of Economics at the University of California, San Diego. Dr. Vogel's research focuses on development, demographics, health, human capital, and the political economy. He has published a number of articles looking at economies in developing countries. His most recent article, Intergenerational Associations and the Fertility Transition, look at generational achievement in families and the changing social climate we face. First, let me introduce our guest, Dr. Vogel. Associate Professor of Economics at the University of California, San Diego. Dr. Vogel's research focuses on development, demographics, health, human capital, and the political economy. His current courses that he teaches at the university focus on focuses on applied econometrics and data analysis and macroeconomics of development. Welcome, Dr. Vogel. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Um, so before we get into the questions, um, I'd like to, I always like to ask everybody a little bit of personal information. So what drove you to focus and focus on and study economics? Huh. Well, um, I grew up in a household with a father who was a doctor, a single pra- a doctor in uh, his own practice. And my mother uh, was the business manager of his practice. And so dinner conversations in my household always revolved around health insurance and Medicare in particular. And so when I took my first economics course in college, uh, which happened to be taught by a famous health economist, uh, it, it really uh, took my interest. Okay, that's cool. Um, and so uh, did you always decide that you wanted to go um, the educational and research route, or was that just something that happened? Um, I guess by the end of being an undergrad, I had sort of figured out that research was something I enjoyed doing, although I hadn't fully committed to what kind of research I wanted to do. Um, yeah, so I mean, at the beginning of, of being an undergraduate, I had no idea that one could spend one's time doing what I do today. Um, but by the end, I, I had a, a, a better idea. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sometimes uh, I, I find that people, uh, like, um, uh, after they've, um, I guess, uh, tested things around the world, that they, they find um, uh, their, their niche or where is the best place for them. Yeah. Okay, um, so as uh, you know that we are looking at the economy of the future, and right now, obviously, for a lot of people, uh, 2020 was, um, I guess I'll use the cliche word, unprecedented, <laughs> and uh, and knocked a lot of people off their rockers. <laughs> and so, um, so now, of course, the question is uh, for everybody is how do we move forward um, and, uh, you know, um, what is the uh, new world or what is, uh, as everybody's calling it, the new normal going to look like? Um, so I guess the, the, the first question, um, and I think, you know, people, of course, because they were living it, um, but um, obviously once we live things, we, especially when we're, I'll just say we all went through trauma, 
Um, so when we live in trauma, we all become, uh, I would say, tunnel vision a little bit, and we can only see what's in front of us and everything else really doesn't matter. And in a way, I guess we, I don't want to say we become selfish, but in a way we do because we're all just thinking about survival. Yeah. So in a general sense, what would you say, how did COVID uh, impact the economy? Well, so um, I guess, uh, you know, back in March and April, when everything shut down, um, there was a big disruption in people's day to day lives, right? Um, you couldn't go out to, you know, you couldn't go out for services anymore. Um, uh, going to the grocery store became, uh, became a, a risky endeavor. Um, you know, in general, people couldn't get together with friends and family. Uh, childcare was shut down, education was shut down, right? So that was a, a really big shock. Um, and everybody knew that that was, that unprecedented shock was going to, uh, was going to, uh, eventually, um, uh, uh, dissipate, right? And so, um, you know, there were sort of two things that went on. One is that, um, you know, uh, as people had to reorganize their lives during that, you know, very drastic shutdown uh, back in March and April, um, they changed their demand for, for, for various economic goods and services, right? Um, so, you know, you weren't going out to get a haircut anymore. Uh, you weren't going out to restaurants anymore, uh, but you were, you know, ordering sweatpants to, to, <laughs> to sit in front of your desk as I'm doing right now, right? Uh, um, uh, but, uh, you know, so the, the, the bigger question beyond that is sort of like how much of that was going to stick and how quickly were we going to, were we going to bounce back from that? Um, I think that the bouncing back has been a little slower than it could have been if we had, if, if this country had been um, uh, more proactive in controlling the virus early on. Um, and you can see that from, from several Asian countries, which have been able to, to return to something more normal uh, more quickly than we have. Um, but, it, you know, it has been happening gradually, especially now that we're, we're vaccinating people. I guess um, this is going to be a twofold question, but um, how is the U uh, U.S. economy doing and are we going to recover, do you think, in 2021? Hmm. Well, so um, in some sense, the U.S. economy uh, is uh, doing better than many expected. So I guess um, the IMF is projecting something like 6% GDP growth in 2021. Uh, which is uh, which is a very high rate of GDP growth. Of course, there was a huge contraction last year, so um, so we're starting from a lower base than usual. Um, but you know that's pretty good. And uh, uh, you know the unemployment rate was up to fifteen percent at the height of the crisis, um, and it's now back down to six percent, um, which uh, which is not quite as low as it was before. You know before, before like back in last winter, we were uh, less than four percent unemployment rate, right? Um, so there's still there's still a, a gap there, and of course that gap is unequally distributed, um, and the remaining gap is probably going to take a while to uh, to eat away at, right? Um, because um, at the start when you know back when we were at 15 percent unemployment, a lot of those workers were furloughed workers or workers that were probably going to be recalled by their previous employers, something like that, um, if they were unemployed. Um, and a lot of that has happened already. So um, you know as the unemployment rate has fallen. The share of the unemployed who are probably going to remain unemployed for a while uh, has increased. Now, I guess with the for the future employment, because this is, I guess, different and similar to what happened during the um, Great Recession. But one of the things that is always, um, I guess, uh, hidden are the people who are uh, either not looking for work or have given up. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you think then? Um, uh, 
is the unemployment rate higher than um, what's been re being reported, or do you think it's uh, it's about accurate? Yeah, so um, I mean, you're right that that there are people who have dropped out of the labor force. I guess if if we measure things in terms of number of jobs or number of people employed, um, you know, we went from something like 150 million uh, and lost 20 million jobs, um, and we have uh, to 130 million since then. Have climbed back up to about 145 million. So we're still, you know. Seven to eight million employed uh, employed people below the peak, um, and of course, there's been some population growth since then. So, so you know, we have some some ground to make up still. Um, I guess uh, with uh, with this uh, ground to make up, and I know one of the um, I guess the the biggest hit populations during all of this, um, just because of the closure of um, daycares and schools and everything, um, were were women. Mm -hmm. um, what would you say, uh, what uh, for workers in the future, or uh, I guess just in, in the current uh, even economy, um, what advice would you give them to uh, prepare for uh, being able to, I guess, um, su survive, I guess? Can, can, I, can I pause on that question because you brought mm -hmm. up women? Um, mm -hmm. And uh, if I forget about the question you just asked, please, please ask it to me again. But I, I do mm -hmm. want to... Um, I, it is something that I thought of in my previous answer. I thought of bringing up how, you know, you mentioned that um, there are some similarities with what happened back in 2008, 2009. Um, mm -hmm. A big difference is the gender composition of job losses, right? Mm -hmm. This is the first recession in modern U.S. history, I guess, in all of U.S. history, because um, uh, uh, earlier U.S. history, um, female labor force participation wasn't that high. But this is, so this is basically the first recession that has hit women more than men. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so job losses were concentrated in service sectors um, and uh, and that in itself uh, would bias the job losses more towards women than in past uh, than in past uh, recessions when, you know, manufacturing or construction uh, uh, lost work. Uh, and then on top of that, um, you know, families were burdened by a whole lot more uh, uh, child care uh, responsibilities. Um, which, uh, which you know, in our society, the way it's structured today, uh, tends to fall on women more than on men, right? So, mm -hmm. so this is a, a recession that has really uh, burdened women much more than it's burdened men. Um, and I think a big question moving forward is how much of that uh, is going to stick, right? So how many mm -hmm. women who stopped working um, uh, and took care of their kids are going to uh, uh, stay out of the labor force um, for the rest, you know, for the rest of their uh, uh, potential working lives, uh, and how many of them are going to uh, make their way back in um, once you know um, the school and childcare infrastructure uh, returns to how it was before. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess related to that is the question of you know is the childcare uh, is, is the network of childcare centers and, and the network of support going to return to what it was before. Um, I think um, the childcare sector tends to be slower to uh, uh, to build back to where it was than than some other sectors in the economy. So, um, so that that's something that that I worry about. Yes. Um, now you mm -hmm. asked how how should families um, you know plan for the future. Mm -hmm. I guess um, you're thinking about uh, you know families that were already set up and and not you know young people who are thinking about how to how to equip themselves for. Uh, for the future, um, the the young people, plan, uh, you know, uh, trying to equip themselves for the future and investing in skills and so on. I think I have more to say about um, 
for families, um, you know, um, I think families have learned a lot about uh, about how to navigate uncertainty um, uh, and to juggle lots of things. I think certainly um, the government could uh, could now, with the knowledge of of how this this whole year, this whole past year plus, um, rolled out, um, I think um, you know. Uh, government programs could be set up uh, that could uh, that could ease some of the blow for families, right? You know, better planning for schools, uh, better planning for for switches to remote learning if necessary, um, uh, more organization for how uh, for how uh, we we do a switch to to you know safe childcare uh, when needed, and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess uh, one of the things um, this is a, a little bit of a. Uh, same, but uh, sw- starting to switch a little bit. Um, for right now, one of the, the big things that people started talking about um, because of this loss in, um, uh, you know, uh, maybe their, their partner having to stay home, um, you know, it's adding to the rise in income inequality. Um, what do you think, uh, will there be, I guess, a, a middle class in the future or what will that look like? It's, uh, it's been even before we had this, yeah. uh, you know, uh, pandemic a, happen. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a long-term trend, right? So, you mm-hmm. know, it, income inequality has been rising in the U S since the 1970s and the middle class has been getting hollowed out. Right. Um, and you know, this current recession hasn't really helped that situation. Um, you know, stock market portfolios have continued to do very well. And people at the top of the income distribution have, you know, have uh, had much smaller uh, increases in unemployment. Um, so, you know, in general, um, the top of the income distribution hasn't done too badly over the last year, uh, whereas the the middle and bottom of the income distribution have had a tough time. Um, and so, yeah, that's something that I worry about too. Again, you know, I think that for for a lot of these questions, right. Um, for, for thinking about inequality or for thinking about uh, before you brought up uh, the, the labor force and, and non-participation in the labor force, right? There, there are longer term trends that preceded um, the pandemic, right? That uh, labor force participation was declining among men um, and, uh, and inequality was rising. Um, but uh, if anything, the pandemic makes those trends worse, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. Um, yeah, we've uh, definitely we see. Um, well, I well definitely saw it um, with people doing um, all the protesting and everything, almost everything in uh, daily in the news. And I was uh, researching something else, and um, and I guess uh, because of the inequality, and then also I think it's also uh, being pent up because um, I don't think humans are meant to be pent up for long. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been seeing um, people, uh, you know, uh, even uh, violence and everything um, rising, and uh, people are are a lot angrier than they have uh, ever been before. Mm. Um, and so uh, with this, um, do you think that the uh, that America as a global economic power itself is uh, declining or um, or is that just or are we just experiencing a moment? Huh. Um, so, you know, the U.S. is still by far the largest economy in the world. Um, uh, it's so um, I guess the, the sort of thinking about other economies rising, um, there certainly are uh, other other parts of the world that are, are developing economically. You know, China is the, the most prominent example, right? Um, I, I'm not sure if that if, if the rise of China means that they, the U.S. Uh, will be less uh, important in, in world affairs or in the global economy. 
Um, but uh, but certainly, I, I guess um, the future holds a, a shared stage for the U.S. rather than uh, you know just this um, this uh, this sole uh, center for the world economy. And then this is just a, a follow up question that, uh, and I'm asking this mostly because a lot of people, uh, this is a, a concern for uh, people. Um, uh, that have been uh, reading and, and media, would you say that the dollar is going to stay uh, solid or do you think another currency will be taking its place? Yeah, so this is outside my wheelhouse. Um, I'm happy to answer, yeah. but it's not okay. particularly my, it's not <laughs> okay, particularly my area of expertise. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, when, when I hear discussions like this, I sort of try to think, well, what, what candidate is going to replace the dollar as you know, the, the global currency? And it's not particularly clear to me, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, uh, I guess when when China switches to uh, purchasing um, government debt from from another country instead of the U.S. as its as its safe asset option, um, then we can start talking about other other currencies replacing the the dollar as sort of the go to currency uh, in world markets. Uh, but I I don't really uh, see any signs of that happening. Okay, great. Um... I should put people at rest a little bit. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people, um, especially um, when uh, tragedies like this, everybody goes into the worst case scenario. Um, let's see. Uh, if I'm going to kind of uh, switch it and take it back to like a more a, a personal um, level for uh, people to relate to, um, since people are staying home more, um, what do you think are going to be the main drivers of uh, personal spending? Um, so I guess, you know, uh, I, I, I can comment on, on what happened over the last year to personal spending. Um, uh, and then we can talk, for, we can sort of think about what that means for the future, I guess. Because um, mm -hmm. thinking about the future is also going to involve thinking about what's actually going to happen to people going to work or staying at home uh, uh, from here forward, right? But so when, when things started shutting down, people started staying home uh, from work uh, back, back in the middle of last year. Um, you know, expenditures on food went up, expenditures on alcohol went up a ton, and that's actually been one of the per most persistent things. Um, of course, people spend more on online shopping, um, and you know, in general, there were, there's been less spending on services, um, you know, haircutting, uh, uh, that sort of thing, um, and also less on travel and hotels and on gasoline. Um, now, I'm not sure how much of that is going to stick because, um, you know, as uh, more and more people are vaccinated and as uh, worries about infection and about contributing to uh, contributing to, to contagion uh, uh, go away, uh, people are going to you know, start going to the hairdresser again. Um, although I learned to cut my own hair, um, so I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't have much hair, so, so it's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, you know, in general, people are going to go back to the hairdresser and they're going to start traveling again, right? Um, uh, uh, insofar as, as, you know, uh, the economic growth uh, gives them the, the resources to do so, right? Um, you know, the, 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 changing, um, uh, the changing purchasing habits for, for types of clothing um, and maybe for, for uh, more, you know, uh, cooking at home and, and eating at home, um, that might stick, and also, you know, the the you know, retail sh retail shopping had been declining for a while. Um, this was a huge uh, additional uh, negative shock to the, to the retail sector, and so you know, this might this might be a permanent boost in 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 the online shopping in, uh, sector. Um, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So I guess going uh, forward, uh, you know, a lot depends. So um, let's let's assume maybe it's too much of an assumption, but let's assume that um, uh, the the uh, you know the progress against uh, against the virus uh, continues, right? Um, uh, so that you know by this time next year, maybe um, at least in the U.S., uh, we we won't be burdened by worrying about contagion. Um, uh, then the question is going to be sort of how much uh, uh, how much does this stay at home uh, uh, set of practices continue, uh, or do we return to normal? Do we return to what we had before? I guess not normal. Yes. Would you do you think this uh, the work from home will become the new normal? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. Um, uh, I think uh, there's a lot of heterogeneity in uh, in whether work from home works for people, right? Um, mm-hmm. And there's actually um, some nice evidence uh, from a uh, a large travel agency in China. This is pre-pandemic um, mm-hmm. that uh, allowed uh, some workers to work from home, and they they did it in a way that uh, emulated the randomized control trial. So some some researchers could compare the the workers who you know. Of the workers who signed up for work from home, sort of a random subset of them uh, 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 were allowed to work from home and the others weren't. Um, and uh, productivity went up uh, uh, in the in the workers who, who got to work from home. So these were workers who wanted to work from home and got to, right? Um, and then productivity went up even further when some of those workers were allowed to uh, return to the, uh, uh, to the office if they wanted to, right? So some people, so everybody tried it. Uh, everybody who wanted to tried it, um, and on average, they got more productive. And you know, for for something like an online travel agency um, uh, or a phone-based travel agency, you can you can measure productivity by uh, by uh, you know uh, counting how many calls uh, somebody went through a day, right? If they're if they're in the call center part of the of the firm, right? So all these things are are straightforward to measure in in this uh, in this type of a company. Um, and so, um, you know, let's just focus on the on the call center worker uh, example, right? So, people went home, and on average, the people working from home uh, uh, increased the the number of uh, the number of calls they did a day. So that was a good thing. Uh, some of them realized that working from home didn't actually work that well for them. So when they were allowed to to return to the office, uh, and the others who wanted to keep working at home were allowed to keep working from home. Um, uh, then you saw an even larger boost in productivity, right? Because some people tried it and realized this isn't working for me. I do much better in the office. Some people tried it and realized it worked well for them, and so they do much better at home, right? Um, and so overall, I guess you know the company benefited from having from offering that flexibility to people, right? Um, and uh, I think you know there's a broader lesson here for uh, for companies uh, in you know in this post-pandemic world. Um, there might be a drive to having more flexibility, to allowing people to, you know, work from home occasionally um, if it works better for for their lives. Um, and there's there's good evidence, at least from some settings, that uh, that it can result in increased productivity, right? Um, but I don't think um, it's going to work for everybody, um, and um, I don't expect that um, you know the the average uh, the average firm is going to is going to make working from home the normal for all its employees. Um, that's sort of my guess. I guess there's a separate issue, which is that, um, you know, a call center is a place where you you have sort of a a, a defined task that you're supposed to complete, um, and you can you can do it uh, uh, quicker uh, or less quick, or you can you know pick up the phone more quickly or or less quickly, um, and uh, and sort of. Uh, 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 
thinking about productivity in that setting is very different from thinking about productivity in a setting where people are coming up with new ideas or, or you know, trying to collaborate uh, on a new project or something like that. Right? And so um, I suspect that in idea-based industries, um, or even you know, in services that rely on people interacting with each other, um, you could get a boost in productivity for some time, you know, for maybe for this past year, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're basically relying on uh, existing projects you were working on or existing uh, networks that you had already, right? Uh, networks of people to, to exchange ideas, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of. Um, but at some point, um, that's going to get harder and harder to do without new opportunities to interact with people in person, I think. Um, so for the ideas economy, um, I think it remains to be seen whether, uh, uh, you know, doing everything from home with each person in autarky, each person sort of on his or her own island, right, um, is, going to, is going to help move forward ideas in the, in, at the same pace that we saw before the pandemic. So I guess, would you say that um, the, the ideal type like uh, one of the big things that people think about or now that we talked about um, were the in the media, the big thing was uh, celebrating. I think you probably, I don't know if you go on Google regularly, most people do, um, but everybody was celebrating the essential workers. Mm -hmm. um, and so would you say in the, the future, um, in this, in this case, obviously during the pandemic, they kept, they kept everything going for all of us. Um, would you say in the future, um, those are the type of workers that are going to um, fuel the economy, or do you think that we're going to um, have uh, a whole different type of um, uh, the type of uh, workers and economy? I know it's hard to know. Hmm. Uh, so I'm I'm uh, I'm struggling a little bit with the idea of fueling the economy. So I guess. Um, for sure, you know the the, the essential workers uh, who uh, who kept things moving. Um, you know both you know, essential workers include you know um, healthcare workers um, uh, and they include um, the childcare workers who put themselves at risk. They include you know the the delivery drivers who who kept you know uh, who kept uh, goods uh, moving to people um, uh, when people needed them. Um, they are, you know, a bedrock of the economy. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure that I would say, uh, so when I think of fueling the economy, I think of propelling it uh, forward. Yes. And, uh, and that, that makes me think of growth, okay. right? Yes, um, I guess I should have, uh, sorry, I guess I should have said because mostly for the U.S. economy, I guess they always say small business is the one that is fueling the economy. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I guess would you say that uh, still having... Um, uh, small businesses, and then I guess uh, if we're looking at a small business, if we think that's how it's going to go in the future, uh, I guess what type of businesses are going to um, uh, contribute to the growth of the economy? Yeah, so so I think you know the the longer term growth tends to come from people coming up with new ideas or new ways of organizing things, right? Um, and so, you know, in the past couple of decades, a lot of that has come from technology, and I suspect that that will continue to be the case, especially now if we if we think that, um, you know, we may have uh, uh, new pandemics that that had that have similar features to the one we've experienced over the past year, right? 
Um, there, there are going to be a, a number, you know, we've seen a number of, of new technology issues arise in this last year. Some of them we've met already, right? We're all video conferencing and doing podcasts mm -hmm. over the internet and that kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, uh, but, you know, a number of them uh, maybe haven't been perfected yet. Um, and so uh, uh, finding the right technologies to fuel this sort of um, remote uh, type not just not just the work but also you know the conferencing and the the interactions between people and so on um, I think is going to play an important role in the future and now to switch to a, a, a totally um, different topic but I think something that uh, hopefully um, is uh, in your wheelhouse a little bit um, looking at uh, uh, how um, the uh, discussion of uh, climate change um, will affect, um, I guess, the world economies and developing countries um, mm -hmm. um, in the future. Yeah, so I think it's kind of bleak. Um, so this is this is you know this is a long term trend, whereas um, the 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 COVID um, recession that we've been discussing until now. Um, has some long-term features, but you know, in uh, in one in some sense, uh, has been a, a short-term uh, crisis, right? And so, you know, the long-term, the long-term for climate change is going to be hotter. It's going to involve a lot more uncertainty about about uh, you know storms and about uh, about heat waves uh, and so on. Um, and it's going to involve uh, uh, a bunch of land uh, that is currently above water being underwater. Um, and so, you know, all of that is going to pre present uh, a bunch of different challenges. You know, the, 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 the world getting warmer um, is, going to, uh, is going to, you know, uh, present um, uh, some productivity issues. There's very solid evidence that um, uh, workers in a range of industries and in, in a range of job roles um, become less productive when when it's hotter, right? And so you can mitigate some of that with air conditioning, uh, although some of the work has to be outdoors. Um, and of course, um, uh, relying heavily on air conditioning uh, uh, worsens our carbon emissions problem. Um, uh, but then apart from the heat itself, there's uncertainty, right? Uh, uh, there's uh, uncertainty about uh, what's going to happen to, uh, to the weather tomorrow, uh, about how we prepare for uh, a big flooding event uh, or a big heat wave event or wildfires or something like that. Um, and then, yeah, you know, the, 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 the part of the, you know, it's, it's pretty clear that there are going to be low-lying areas close to the ocean that are going to be underwater, and that's going to... Um, require a whole lot of um, a whole lot of reorganization of the economy, um, and and so this is uh, this is a big a big question. But maybe you have uh, uh, I'm sure you probably have uh, thought about it. But for um, countries that are uh, developing, and as I believe they are going to get um, hit uh, worse than um, uh, countries obviously that already have um, stable um, economies um, mm -hmm. when this happens. Um, I guess uh, one of the things that uh, uh, I'm sure you've heard about the the UN's uh, pact to uh, you know do all these different things by 2030. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I guess how would you say for um, for these uh, developing countries what how can we um, start to I guess help them or what are what are um, I don't know if there's any way we can help them it's such a big problem <laughs> it's intimidating so. 
Um, this is not always a particularly uh, politically popular thing to say um, in rich countries, um, but you know, um, one of the biggest things um, that uh, we can do to help people who are in poorer countries is to allow them to move to better opportunities. So, um, so th that's certainly something, right? Um, so that, that's certainly something that would help, you know, people from, uh, from poor places in general, um, and in particular places, the people who are, who are living in places that are, uh, suffering the consequences of, uh, of climate change, right? Um, uh, moving away from, uh, the, uh, the places that are, are being hit by climate change, uh, towards, uh, places that are less, uh, 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 feeling the effects of climate change um, is uh, is you know one easy uh, I should one one <laughs> relatively straightforward I shouldn't say easy uh, way to way to mitigate those consequences right yeah so I would say logical logical yes. yeah yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah now I understand like okay if it's uh, yeah if the waves coming get out of the way <laughs> yes <laughs> right <laughs> yes. Um, and, and you know uh, so mm -hmm. let me let me uh, move it uh, actually a little closer to home here in California you know. Um, uh, I have uh, a colleague at another uh, University of California uh, uh, campus uh, who uh, who has been working on a uh, on a project uh, for the governor to try to to try to help understand how California can cope with the future can better cope with the future of climate change. Right? And actually, um, you know, uh, some of the I just know this informally from him. I haven't seen the report. I think um, you know the report has been sitting on the governor's desk for a while, um, but he's had lots of other things to think about over the last year. Um, uh, but uh, informally, that uh, one of the things that came out of it was that you know a, a lot of the gain, you know, a lot of what California can do to to try to to mitigate the future effects of climate change and to try to reduce its carbon emissions is to you know build more housing close to the coast because the the climate is uh, you know uh, it's less close to wildfire risk and the climate um, is. Uh, uh, is uh, less requiring of air conditioning um, and all the other things that we do to to, uh, to keep comfortable further away from the coast, right? Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, so that's just one example that moving people around can help a lot with uh, with with a range of these issues. Um, but you know, moving people around itself um, uh, it entails trauma, uh, it entails economic costs, um, and so that that wouldn't be uh, that wouldn't be so easy either, right? Um, I guess you know from the from the climate change prevention point of view, we can also do more to. Uh, to combat carbon emissions, right? Um, that hasn't gone super well so far, but uh, who knows what the future will hold. Yes, I guess within that future, um, uh, a previous discussion, just because this is, uh, I guess, Earth Day is in, in, in two days. Hmm. Um, I guess, uh, is it, um, is there, this is just, uh, this is probably a little bit out of your wheelhouse too, but um, in those areas, because, uh, I don't know, uh, since we've been losing people, I don't know how, what the actual number is. I, I know we're uh, billions of people on the planet, but I forget what the number is now since we lost, uh, lost some <laughs> this uh, last year, but I guess it's still around seven. Um, uh, so, you know, that, that obviously is a, a lot of people if we wanted to um, just uh, move them. Are there, um, I guess, uh, ways within those countries, um, one of the things that I've uh, read about are like uh, trying to get people to start doing uh, green jobs. Um, do you think mm -hmm. that is actually realistic or is, is not realistic? Uh, is that like even a further stretch um, than just moving the people? Well, so, um, 
Yeah, so uh, you, you, the green jobs idea um, uh, uh, may be viable, uh, say within the U.S., right? Mm -hmm. um, but if we want to think about uh, if we want to think about where you know where this global population problem is going to be most present, say in the next fifty years, this actually is in my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. um, um, uh, you know, uh, Africa is is uh, is just. A, a, burgeoning demographically you know it's uh it's it's going to be uh you know a bigger and bigger part of, of the world population as we move into the future right and actually by the end of the by the end of the century it's going to be um the most populous sub-saharan africa is going to be the most populous uh, uh region in the world uh, in the way that un defines regions so that would separate out parts of asia like east asia and south asia and so on right uh, mm -hmm. but anyway so so you know um uh, Africa is, uh, you know, uh, has much more population growth in its future than other parts of the world do. Um, and Africa has lots of people who are engaged in agriculture, right? Um, it's not entirely clear to me how you move people, how you move uh, people uh, in agriculture, you know, um, for, from, you know, in, in low-tech agriculture um, into uh, something like the green economy. Um, that, that sounds very challenging to me. Um, uh, for sure, there are lots of people, you know, trying to uh, to invest in you know agricultural technology in Africa, um, and to uh, and to to move people to to um, I guess higher earning activities and also uh, more sustainable uh, activities, um, but uh, but it is a real challenge. So you would say your the easiest solution is just to move is well, to move the people. I guess no. I think I think I think we can do you know we can do a few things at once, right? One thing mm -hmm. is that we can we can work on our emissions problems. Uh -huh. uh, another thing is that we can allow uh, more freedom of movement. Uh, right now, we really mm -hmm. do not have a lot of freedom of movement, so we can allow mm -hmm. for some more freedom of movement. Um, and it, and by no means do I think it's easy. <laughs> right? Yes, um, yes, yes. No, um, that's why I was saying I was yeah. overwhelmed by the problem because I, that's why I was saying how many people yeah. there are currently. Yeah. And we can and we <laughs> yes. can also you know work on uh, you know uh, improving access to um, uh, to to better technology, say in agriculture, uh, and we can also work on uh, on equipping people with more with more education, right? So uh, investing more in kids. Um, so that they can um, uh, they can uh, thrive uh, when they grow up wherever they end up being, uh, either you know, uh, at home uh, uh, or uh, or in, in a new country that they've migrated to. So um, these are obviously we just talked about some pretty um, uh, big issues and ideas, and um, I guess uh, the climate will be our. Um, our new pandemic, but unfortunately that one's, uh, I think, much bigger mm. <laughs> than the virus, um, uh, literally. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, a little cheesy joke. <laughs> um, so um, uh, I guess then for, for the future, um, for especially for the people who are uh, young right now, mm. um, uh, I believe... Um, just because, uh, you know, I mentioned I just had a baby. I, I believe that uh, they'll be looking at a, a maybe a completely different world. Mm -hmm. um, uh, would you say that um, for young people, um, we'll talk about young people probably that are in their uh, 20s right now, because that's easy. Um, uh, how would you say that they should prepare um, for, uh, I guess, um, uh, the future in regards to the um, job market and, and planning um, for 
uh, and this is uh, something I'm just going to say. You can and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, it seems that the uh, uh, that um, there's all, always ups and downs, obviously in life. But it seems that uh, possibly that we could be in uh, a continuous cycle in the U.S. of going up, uh, you know, uh, extreme highs and extreme lows in in uh, smaller increments than before. I don't know. Do you, do you think that we'll be in extreme highs and extreme lows and smaller increments than before? And I'm basing this only on um, we've had a, a great recession. We had obviously we couldn't uh, stop. Uh, there was nine eleven. There was a great recession. Now we have a pandemic and uh, we're having big hits in yeah. small times. <laughs> so I, I um, yeah. So the Great Recession was bigger than than previous recessions, right? Anything since the Great Depression, and this one mm-hmm. was was certain. Th- this crisis has certainly been big. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the frequency uh, of these events has not sped up. Um, mm-hmm. The the period between the Great Recession and the current recession was the longest expansion in in U.S. history, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it doesn't seem like like um, this is necessarily happening that these business cycles are happening at a, at a, at a, at a faster rate than they happened before. Um, whether, whether the, the volatility, whether, you know, the size of these, uh, of these crises is going to continue to increase. That's, uh, that's, um, interesting to think about. I, I don't really, um, uh, know the evidence on that. Um, but that, you know, um, as far as your question about, uh, about how young people should think about uh, preparing themselves, I think the, the, advice that most uh, academic economists would give um, uh, would be similar to, to what, what, they, what they would tell young people over the, at any point in the last few decades, um, which is that investing in skills um, uh, uh, and diverse skills and uh, general skills that can be applied to a number of, uh, say, industries or a number of technologies, right, or that make one quick to learn uh, new tools and new ideas um, uh, will, will help a lot in, in this future labor market, right? Um, that as, you know, uh, one industry gets, say, as, you know, suppose you're working in the travel industry and it got hammered really badly over this last year, um, the ability to, uh, to take, you know, a general set of skills and apply them in a different part of the economy uh, uh, becomes really, really useful, right? Um, and that's actually one of, the, one of the key ways that economists think about uh, education, about what education does. Um, it gives you a flexibility to keep up with technological change um, and uh, and adapt to these uh, to these crises, right, and get through them um, with 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 these flexible skills. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you, Dr. Vogel, for your time and insight. Um, if you'd like to learn more about Dr. Vogel, you can read his latest research articles at uh, tomvogel.com. Um, thank you once again. And so if you have a passion for serving an unserved community, a social justice problem, or simply want to change minds, contact Project Good Work at projectgood.work to start your project of change today. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in to Project Good, where we are focused on what matters.